Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But he certainly wasn't improving himself by being around these Philistine women and certainly engaging in these kind of these kind of games. Notice in verse four afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And here we see this character now come on the scene, Delilah. And we don't know how long it was after he removed the gates uh, that, that this event occurred. It could have been uh, days, it could have been a couple of weeks, we don't really know. Thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ. Our scripture says he loved a woman in the valley of Sork whose name was Delilah. Samson fell in love again and fell for a woman completely wrong for him. This is another example of the pain and ruin that came into Samson's life because he did not guard his heart. Delilah was also deeply in love, but she was in love with money, not Samson. As we see, Samson falls deeper and deeper into disobedience as he continues to feed his temptations. As followers of Jesus Christ, we always have to remember to guard our hearts by calling on Jesus to protect us. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. What did God tell Moses to tell the children of Israel? He says, take heed to yourself. This is Exodus 34, verse 12. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, you shall break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images, for you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods, and make sacrifice to their gods, and one of them invites you, and you eat of this sacrifice... And you take of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters play the harlot with their gods, and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. And so he's saying, when you go into the land, don't make have any covenant with them. Don't marry them. Don't get in the midst of them. You are to destroy them. And why is it? Is it because God is prejudiced? Is God a racist? And I bring that up because of the environment we're in now. No, this had nothing to do with race at all. Was a Philistine human being, was that any different than any other person? No. That person, that Philistine, was able to receive Christ. And does God love that Philistine? You better believe he does. But the difference is sin. He gave the Philistines, he gave the Canaanites, those seven nations that Israel would go in and dispossess, he gave them at least, he gave them hundreds of years to repent. You can read Genesis 15, and the promise is there. 
He gave them years, hundreds of years as a country, as a culture, as a people to repent. And they would not. They continued in their abominations. They continued in sacrificing their children to their false gods. They continued in adultery and fornication. And there comes a time when your number is up and God has to judge. Why? Is it because he's a racist? No. He's a God of justice. He's a God of love. A God of love gave them something. Gave them several hundreds of years. That was, that was kind of ironic, wasn't it? God of justice. Zap! All right, let's go home. <laughs> no, God gave them several hundred years to turn. But they would not. That is a God of grace. Never forget the grace of God when you read these things, okay? So often we can just gloss over them and we think that God is this angry God who just wants to punish people. No, he gives hundreds of years. And for individuals, he gives us decades to turn from our sin. He's a good God. He always has been. I love him for that. But the question I have for Samson is, why did he go down to Gaza again? This is the second time that we hear of him second recorded time that he's um, fraternizing with these Philistine girls. What was wrong with the girls of Dan, of the tribe that he was from, or the other children of Israel? It's interesting that the scripture records only his encounters with Philistine women. Forbidden. They were verboten. (laughs) They were verboten. And those he shouldn't have had communications with anyway. Why did he still do it? Well, let me offer you a couple of possible answers. Perhaps there was less resistance with the heathen women, with the women from other nations who didn't have God as their God. They were much looser in the sense of their morals. They had, no, they had a lack of morals. And Samson was a man who was governed by his desires, and so rather than pleasing the Lord. And remember what the Bible says about this period of time. What does it say in Judges 17, verse 16? In those days, there was no king in Israel. And here's the scary part. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And he repeats it again in chapter 21, verse 25, the exact same thing. The culture seemed as if it was a kind of, if it feels good, do it kind of culture. And by the way, we live in that culture, do we not? If it feels good, just do it. There's very little morals in our country today, folks, and you are the last stand. And when God removes us, when Jesus removes us from this earth, believe me, the hordes of hell are going to come in in a full force. It will be a tsunami like we've never seen before. And thank God we won't be here to see it. And hopefully that will stir us enough to go out and share the truth in love with those that we care about because they could be left behind. They could be left behind. What was another thing that perhaps the reason he did this? Perhaps it was a way he could quickly satisfy his lust with none or very little accountability. I mean, after all, this place was 30-plus miles away from his hometown. Nobody was supposed to go there. What a great place to go and be a chameleon and hide. No accountability. Even his mom and his dad wondered why he couldn't find just a good Jewish girl. What did they say in Judges 14? It says, and Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw a woman of, in Timnah, of the daughters of the Philistines, and he went up and told his father, saying, I have seen a woman. I've inspected her. I've observed her for quite a long time till I'm ashamed. I've seen a woman in Timnah, of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. And then his mother and father, they say, 
Is there not a woman among the daughters of your brethren or among my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? In other words, Samson, don't you understand? Even his mom and dad knew the law. They knew what they were supposed to do. But he's like, no, I must have her. And so the dad, he caves in. He just says, okay, son, I'll go and get her for you. I love what Solomon said to his son when he wrote Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 24, it says this. One of the reasons the Proverbs are written, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire in his, to his bosom? And his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? The answer to the rhetorical question is no, you can't. You hold fire to your bosom, you're going to get burned. You walk on coals, you're going to get burned. And yet we see this same thing being played over and over again. Not just with the young people, but unfortunately we see a lot of older people who should know better. Even people in the church going out, looking, viewing. So verse 2, when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they were quiet all night, saying in the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. He had a bounty on his head because of what he had done in chapter 15. And we're not going to recap that for the sake of time, but Samson had this history with the Philistines. And he killed many of them. By this time, he's already killed at least 1,033, 1,032 Philistines. By now, his reputation has preceded him. He was a wanted man. Notice verse 3, and Samson lay low. The word low, notice, is not in the original language. That's why if in your Bible, you'll see that it's italicized, which means it wasn't in the original scripture. And the translators put it there to make things uh, a little smoother for us. But literally what this could mean is, and Samson lay till midnight. And this word is the Hebrew word sakab, which means to, uh, to lie down for rest or sexual connection. And that's exactly what he was doing because he had this woman. So from the moment he met her, he en- they enjoyed each other until midnight. Right? So Samson lay till midnight, and then he arose at midnight, and he took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts and pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. You know, and it's, it's interesting, a, a gate to a city was a place where they would do business. It was a place of security. And most cities were, many of the cities were walled all the way around the city for protection from marauders and bands of uh, uh, those who would come against. But now Samson, in this bravado of his, he grabs the gate, he grabs everything, and the, he's got this great gift, and God comes upon him at different times, and he's able to lift these things, and he carries them off. And we, we don't know exactly how far he carried this gate, but tradition has it that he carried it to a hill known as El Montor, just east of Gaza. Some say that he carried it as far as 37 or 38 miles from Gaza. We don't really know. But uh, one has to wonder what he was thinking about when he was doing this. Was he boasting? Was he intimidating? Was he intimidating the Philistines even more 
him and the Philistines, they had this relationship where they were always fighting each other. And Samson was continuing to play the game. He wasn't a humble man. He was rather boasting in his own strength and of his own prowess. So was he doing this to intimidate them? Again, I believe he was. Was he doing it to remove their security? Certainly, I'm sure. That would certainly get them uptight, wouldn't it? To remove their security. And what was he doing? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now, unfortunately, Samson's habits weren't all that good to begin with, were they? He wasn't a good He wasn't a good example, but he certainly wasn't improving himself by being around these Philistine women and certainly engaging in these kind of of games. Notice in verse 4 afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And here we see this character now come on the scene, Delilah. And we don't know how long it was after he removed the gates uh, that, that this event occurred. It could have been uh, days. It could have been a couple weeks. We don't really know. But it's interesting, this word for loved. It says, afterward it happened that he loved a woman. Now, you and I know in context, knowing Samson, what he meant by loved. He loved a woman. He was with her. It's interesting that in the Greek, we have at least four different Greek words that, that has been translated Love in English. When we say love, we know what it means in context. If I, love my, if I love my wife and I love my car or I love my daughter or I love uh, some food or something like that, I love strawberry briars ice cream, which I do, by the way, um, you know in context that those, those words that I'm using are different. You know the context of what I love. I love God. I love my wife. I love the ice cream. But in Greek, they actually spell them out. They divide them up. But in the Hebrew, there's only one word for love. And for some reason, God doesn't really, uh, he didn't concern himself with dividing it. It it has a lot of different meanings. It it could could mean your love for God. It could mean your love for your fellow man. It could mean a self-sacrificing, benevolent love. It could mean love in the sense of sexual love. It could mean all those things. And that's really what it means here. And we know in context, in his character, what this was all about. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And it's interesting, this word is Ahava. Any of you ladies have Ahava products from the Dead Sea? That's what it means. Ahava means love in Hebrew. So there it is. Aren't you glad you came tonight? Uh, it says, and it notice it was in the Valley of Sorek. The Valley of Sorek was just to the west of uh, where Samson was born in Zorah, uh, going toward the Mediterranean Sea on the western side of the Israel there, right on the border. There was a valley there, and that's where this occurred. And so, verse 5, and the lords of the Philistines, they came up to her. And notice what they said to her. This sounds very familiar. If you read chapter 14 and you read this chapter, there's a lot of similarities because there's always somebody trying to entice Samson. And the lords of the Philistines came to her, to Delilah, and said, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Do you have any idea how much money that is? We'll notice when we get into chapter 17 that one of these Levites from Bethlehem comes to a man named Micah and he gives him 20 shekels of silver a year. Or I think it was 10. 10 or 20. 
It doesn't really matter. It was a small amount. And now they're going to, each of them, each of the five Philistine lords are going to give her 1,100 pieces of silver. That's 5,500 pieces of silver. This woman's driving a Bugatti when she's done with this. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and said, entice him. This word literally means to delude him, to deceive him, to allure him, to flatter him, to persuade him. It was the same word that we saw in Judges chapter 14. Remember with and Samson's wife that he never consummated the marriage with, by the way. It's recorded for us in Judges 14 that, that it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, This is in uh, Judges 14. They said, entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us. And if you read Judges 14, you'll understand the context of that. So now, you know, uh, persuade him, delude him, allure him, deceive him. Do whatever you've got to do to get the answer that we want. And you know something? Whenever there is a person who is strong physically, perhaps they are good-looking, has great skills and abilities and is boisterous and maybe even a little, little arrogant, that person usually becomes hated by others. And many times, these people don't live very long either. I knew of a man when I went, I went to college with. He was in the same department that I was in in, in uh, my undergraduate degree. He was a really good-looking guy. I mean, he really was. He was tall. And he was. He reminded me. Everything that Samson is, he reminds me of Samson. He was a ladies' man. All the ladies loved him. He was a good-looking guy. Not only that, but he was muscular. And guess what? He was a really good guitar player. He was a much better guitar player than I could have ever been. Just amazingly gifted. He was, a, he was uh, gifted in the martial arts. He was a taekwondo champion. Won many awards. Won many music uh, competitions. One of those guys you never want to go up against. And then he went off to Hollywood, and I remember him. At one point, we were friends, and, now, and then he went out to Hollywood, and, and he was very arrogant, very sure of himself, and did movies with Demi Moore and Harrison Ford. Then I just found out about a month ago, a month or two ago, that he, had, he died. He was a year younger than I was. He overdosed by accident, and he died. But he was one of those people like Samson, very gifted, and everybody just, they loved him and they hated him. Have you met somebody like that? <laughs> everything you do, they could do better, and they always did everything better. They were good looking, they could speak three languages, you know, they, they, they could fight, they could shoot, they could do everything that you maybe want to do. Maybe you don't want to do, but I do. But anyway, um, they could do all those things and much better, and much, much better. I mean, you were just like a, a kid in their sight. But Samson seemed to be like this larger-than-life figure. And they wanted to afflict him. They wanted to chasten him. They wanted to humble him. They wanted to hurt him. They wanted to weak him. And so, verse 6, So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And what kind of weird thing was this? One would think that if she said this, and knowing what he knew about the Philistines, that he would have at this point nothing to do with her. He was already an enemy of the Philistines. Now, she's a Philistine woman, and she's saying, what can I do to bind and afflict you? Um, Come again? Why do you want to do that? Oh, no particular reason. I thought maybe of feeding you ice cream. It'd be kind of fun, right? (laughs) Kind of weird. 
He should have walked away from this, but he didn't. She must have been really cute. I'm sure she turned on all the charm. I'm sure she had all those features that Samson was just like his jaw was hitting the ground. He was drawing flies with his mouth wide open looking at this gal. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I will become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. These bowstrings were literally animal intestines. They would take the, the, the intestines of a cattle or a sheep and they would dry them out. And there's a process that they would go through. And they would use them for bows, on bows and arrows. They would use them, and in fact, in the Middle Ages, they used them for guitar strings. It was called cat gut, which they really think is cattle. Probably cattle gut is really what it was. But that's what it is. And, when it, and they're very strong, especially when they're not dried yet. Very strong. So they bound, they, they bound him with these fresh bowstrings, seven of them. Now, men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and this room must have been pretty big. There could have been lattices, there could have been uh, doors or areas where um, Samson couldn't see, and these men would just hide out in this big room, and they would just stay quiet behind the scenes, and they didn't even, Samson didn't even know they were there. So they bound him. Then Delilah said to, uh, the men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to them, The Philistines are upon you, Samson, but he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire, and so the secret of his strength was not yet known. And then Delilah said to Samson, You've mocked me, and you've told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. At this point, any sensible man would say, You know what, I just, I think I'm going to go to the drive-thru at Dairy Queen. I'm out of here. But no, and what kind of sick, perverted thing were they going, what was going on here? I can't help but wonder her seduction. And ladies, you know, you can have that power over a man. And maybe a man can have a power over a woman, although I doubt that. But women can certainly have that power over men. And you have to be very careful. Be very careful with what you have. Those persuasive, natural things, ladies, you have to be really careful so Delilah, you know, here she is. Look, you've mocked me and you've told me lies. Isn't she living a lie? She's living a lie, bigger than he is, just as big as he is. She's already in cahoots with the Philistines. She's going to get a big paycheck when this thing is over with. And she's saying, you've mocked me and you've told me lies. Isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? So he said to her, verse 11, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak like any other man. And therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to, to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. And the idea behind this is that these guys would sit there quiet and they would not say a word until they realized that he was really stuck and he couldn't get out. They would wait a moment, and if he could break loose, they would remain quiet, and he would be none the wiser. They would wait until they knew that his goose was cooked, and then they would descend upon him. That was the idea behind this. And so verse 13, Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and you've told me lies. Tell me, with, tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom, and now you can almost, you know, seven is the, is the, the number of completion, the number of perfection. Very biblical term, very biblical number. And here, Samson, my seven locks, 
You know, isn't it funny how sometimes people can play religion? Got these seven locks. They mean something. I'm a Nazarite. Well, why didn't you walk like one, Samson? Why are you with an, a Philistine woman who's got eyeliner? It looks like a, she looks like a birthday cake, I'm sure. She has so much makeup on, she probably glowed in the dark. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.